0: Every other episode. This one is gonna be really gay, which we never do.
1: We've never been gay before. I'm one of your hosts, Willa Rowe. And I'm your other host, Robin B. Happy Happy Pride. Pride, Happy Pride. Are you feeling are you feeling gay today?
0: Yep, feeling pretty, pretty homosexual. That's good. Gonna gonna have a lot of gay
1: sex. (laughs) (laughs) That's absolutely staying in. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think it should. Yeah, so it's June. It's Pride. I don't know. How do you feel about how do you feel about this month? This um, this month of this year in particular.
0: D- this month of this year in particular. Mm-hmm. You know, June twenty twenty three. Uh it's fine. Yeah. I <laughs> June's a wild month because I like Pride, but I also hate social interaction mostly. Yeah. And Pride in New York. I don't know. You've never been for Pride in New York, I assume. But mm-hmm. Pride in New York gets fucking crazy. Basically, the whole West Village shuts down. And it's just like a big party, which is fun, but it's hot as shit and it's impossible to get into all the bars, especially if you're a lesbian and you want to go to one of two two lesbian <laughs> right. bars that are in Manhattan and it's always crowded and I don't like it. So I don't usually
1: like going. Yeah. It's something that I would like to be the kind of person who likes mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, all those crowds mm-hmm. and like it's the middle of the summer, so it's hot as fuck. It's like 90 degrees today. This it's is also be... why I hate June. It's hot as shit. I don't yeah. like it. Like I'm going out tomorrow and it's going to be in the 80s and I'm not happy about that.
0: It's my birthday month, though.
1: That's good. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, more reason not to celebrate. That's why you're gay. That's why I'm gay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so it's Pride. Pride is, pride is good. Uh, you know, fuck corporate Pride. But like it's mm-hmm. it's fun to have a month of celebrating being gay it's just a really fucked you know it's been a fucked up year so it's Mm -hmm. i think it's felt very muted yeah i don't know it's weird it's just a weird vibe i think everyone is on edge and like waiting for something awful to happen and hoping it doesn't and i mean yeah definitely feeling like i don't know i my feeling is like wanting to be extremely visible and out and like celebratory Mm -hmm. because it's in the face of all that horrible shit but then i'm also just so fucking tired did you see
0: the? Um, oh man, I want to find this for you. Did you see the New York uh, Police Department
1: yes. Pride car? <laughs> the, okay, yeah, a cab, car. <laughs> yeah <the laughs> a cab car. Yeah, cab car. Yes. Which is oh man!
0: Great. I remember last year at Pride, um, we went to the parade at the like big parade at the end of the month, and they had <laughs> there because th- that that was a year, and I'm pretty sure we're doing it again this year. But we were like explicitly the Pride parade was like cops are banned, mm-hmm. fuck cops, like we're not gonna have you in the parade, we don't want you here. And there was like a whole contingent of a bunch of cops who showed up, and like because they were police, they basically got a cordon off their own area that was like right in front of the parade. Yeah. And they had all these signs that were like we're gay cops and we should be allowed to like you know be here and we were all like absolutely
1: get fucked to go <laughs> yeah. away
0: like you <laughs> fucking pricks
1: <laughs> jesus christ oh yeah i don't know what our um what our cop situation is at pride actually i i'm imagining it's that they're just gonna be there because you know yeah this is actually this is actually a great way to lead into my first my first point of business. Farrah from Overwatch Two is officially a lesbian. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you were gonna go into Overwatch's Pride Map of Reskin and cop cars. I'm going to. Okay. Oh my god, whatever. That's the, so, that's the transition. I know. Not, not in. It is. Yes.
0: Overwatch two is celebrating pride and they made the midtown map have a have a pride parade like reskin and they replaced all the cop cars.
1: Which is awesome like, no cops at pride and overwatch so
0: good. it's so fun. it's such a nice little touch and i fucking yeah. love it but yeah no cops at pride especially in overwatch yes
1: that's Even how though, you know that queer people actually worked on this yeah. <laughs> would you say overwatch is our cops though
0: yes are overwatch not 100%. cops? yeah that's the thing overwatch are definitely cops they're definitely cops like i know soldier 76 is gay but he's he's also de- like totally also a, a cop. cop yeah do you think soldier 76 likes trans people one of those gays <laughs> no chance one of those you, you know the kind anyways the kind. but yeah there was this whole there's this whole overwatch
1: character in overwatch
0: <laughs> the least cop character least in overwatch cop. um wrecking ball i mean i guess that's true they don't the let hamster. hamsters to be cops yeah all right good point <laughs> But yeah, Overwatch Two, like they announced, they're hosting their first ever Pride event for June. They did this whole post, and it includes like there's all these cute icons and stuff, name name cards, player icons. They plugged the over the uh, Blizzard Pride merch, which I, which I think is funny because all that shit looks so ugly. Yeah, uh, they did the Midtown map, but then also they released this new short story called As You Are, and it announces that Baptiste is bi and mm. that Farah is a lesbian. And as someone who has been deep in the Overwatch fandom since the game, the first game launched, Mm -hmm. this is, I feel so vindicated that Farrah is a lesbian. And on top of that, it's it's so exciting for me because, like, they leaned hard into it because they just, when she's talking, (laughs) the whole thing is she basically talks about Angela, who's Mercy, and she's just pining for her. Mm -hmm. All she talks about is basically pining. And it's like you she's such a disaster and i love it and it's like as someone who mains mercy and loves mercy and is always like you know (laughs) they're all homosexual someone who
1: is a disaster
0: i mean that's that also goes without saying but angela is like my favorite character like you know this and i think it's very funny that this basically also canonizes the idea that angela is like a distant (laughs) a distant lover who basically just like has put farah in like this weird situation ship for like ever Mm -hmm. just doesn't commit to liking her just leading her on
1: yeah just like so great her on while like being her pocket healer it's it's very funny (laughs) it's so great i saw this um i saw this
0: great tweet that was basically like Overwatch really gave the full spectrum of lesbian representation with Tracer and Farah because Tracer is just in the longest committed relationship with uh, her girlfriend. And then Farah is in a long situationship where she will be forever pining for her friend.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, again, you can tell when things are actually made by queer people. <laughs> it's so great.
0: Um, <laughs> And one of the things that I think was really funny about this is, did you see how Jen Cohen, the voice actor behind Farrah, um, announced this to people? No. I'm going to send you this. Yeah, this send is, it to me. This is from her. This isn't like a joke.
1: This is hilarious. Play this video. Okay, I'm playing this video. <laughs> <laughs> Oh oh my god. The golden girls. Oh my god. So much. Do you want to describe what it is? It's a video of Mm Farah just like doing the most over the top fucking dance, and there's like a pride flag waving in the background. It's playing YMCA, and there are just like little like. Graphics of like flags, pride flags flapping, and then it just says "gay," (laughs) and then there's a flash of like Freddie Mercury and the Golden Girls, and uh, it's just it's just fantastic. It's
0: really great. Um, This is like this is really reiterated to me that it's time for me to write my long my long Overwatch fic about Mercy, which I pitched to you.
1: I pitched to you my whole plot line for this. You sent me multiple multiple consecutive texts about what it was going to be. <laughs> I just watched the one you sent me where it's, let's go, lesbians. I love it. Oh, man, it's so great. But, um, like, this is, I'm so ecstatic about this. It is cool. I'm not, like, even, like, a half of a percent as mm-hmm. into the, like, fandom as you are. But I was always very into Farrah and Mercy. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, just such a good pairing. And always yeah. has been. And I'm glad that it's now. It's becoming a reality. I just, part of it, like... I just
0: love that by making Farrah canonically a lesbian, they have also canonically made Angela a shittier person.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny. It's very funny. Oh,
0: man. So there's so like, okay, so something that I really like is there's basically like in the lore, which this is all great. So in the lore of Overwatch, let let me dish about it for a little bit. There's like, so there's like the original Overwatch And then Overwatch gets disbanded, and then for a few years there's like no Overwatch. Everybody's out doing shit, and then eventually they reform Overwatch as this like kind of like if you will. (laughs) But they have one less person (laughs) for some reason. But then they like reform Overwatch. They were
1: going to do a bunch of stuff that they ended up not doing,
0: (laughs) just like cops. I mean, (laughs) but uh, they reform Overwatch as this kind of like vigilante group. And uh, but so in the original Overwatch, Mercy is a part of it. And so is Anna uh, or Anna Amari, who Anna is um, one of the characters. And so Anna's daughter is Farah. So Farah is younger than Angela, but like it's canonical that basically like Farah has had a crush on Angela the whole time even when she was like, you know, she was kind of a kid and Angela was like a doctor and so they like there was this weird crush thing going on and then Overwatch gets disbanded and Angela basically goes on to be like she just kind of like goes around the world being a medic helping people and she ends up in a camp in Egypt and that is where a, a more grown up Farah is now working, um, like as a, like a pilot, piloting this like armor. And so they, there's like two years canonical, like canonically, where they're like together in mm. Egypt. So this like really plays up that. People are like, they totally like as my favorite phrase is to say, they totally explored each other's bodies.
1: Absolutely.
0: And it's fucking fantastic. Cause then you imagine they reform Overwatch and they both get there. And then like the whole time is like just pining after Angela and was like, Hey, you wanna get some coffee or something? And Angela's like, uh, I'm busy Actually, anyways. I met this
1: hot evil woman.
0: <laughs> you know how I feel. Yes. Angela and uh, Amelie Widowmaker, they are mm-hmm. they are a perfect pairing. I love their dynamic, but that's just because I have a lot of problems. But anyways, <laughs> uh, you know, do you know what my favorite part about having conversations like this is? What's that? I just I like to be reminded that like, I know most of the people who listen to this podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. And like, now they're going to know exactly what you're into.
0: As Yeah, exactly. already. Yeah. I mean, well, my parents listen to this podcast, I think. Yeah.
1: Who knows, really? <laughs> my
0: therapist although i don't think she listens very consistently yeah but none I of this challenge is the my worst things to, that like, you
1: said on yeah, the podcast i
0: challenge my therapist to tell me if she listened to this episode we'll see i'll let you know next time we have session okay, yeah <laughs> i don't think Check it's gonna in. happen uh we'll see what she thinks about my um my relationship stuff based on this yeah there's it's a lot to get into here i don't know what you mean i'm a very well-adjusted person no i can super tell yeah <laughs> anyways <laughs> uh this isn't the only gay news I have for you. Oh, yes. Um, Doo, doo-doo, another... Doo-doo, 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 doo-doo.
1: <Freaking> gay news.
0: gay news. <laughs> Do you listen to Pod Save America and like no. uh, John Lovett's whole stuff? Nope. They have a whole bit that's like, gay news. <laughs> so... Good for them. <laughs> yeah, we just stole it. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, another pairing that we both love, even though we don't really play Genshin, is... Nope. Uh, Miko, which is mm-hmm. Yaimiko Miko and Rite and I from Genshin Impact. They are perfect lesbians, and we love them. Yes, talk about another problematic relationship. Do you know about the lore of them? Not, literally, oh none my of god, at all. man! Let me tell you, they have a lot yeah. of lore. They like—is this going to
1: reveal more about you?
0: Oh man, uh, maybe. <laughs> basically, in the lore, they like they had a very very close relationship. Mm-hmm. They were very close gal pals, and then like sure. drama happened, and basically. I, she, uh, she like was trapped in a like dimension for like 500 years. Like she chose oh, to no. do that. And so she was separated from Yai for like, for, uh, uh, from Miko for like 500 years. And then eventually, like Miko and like the, you know, the main character, they like get eye out of there and she shows Uh up and like the minute they see each other miko's just like it's so they their tension is fucking insane and she's like i've missed you she's like i never thought i would be able to talk to you again no it's like been some in 500 years but you still look so good um they're perfect but there was recently a special event in genshin impact and they were in it and I don't know, have you seen
1: this? Do you know what I'm talking no, about? Wait, okay. Are they both like five hundred years old? Or is this yeah, they're or is super it like old a dimension where time? No, they're passed, super old. Passed. They like oh, they okay. live a long time. I didn't know that was a thing in Genshin. Yeah.
0: But do you know what I'm about to show you? Have you seen this? No. There's a special event in the game and you can go around and you get to like talk to some of the NPCs, and this is how they have them standing
1: next to each other. Interesting. <laughs> there. Literally holding hands. They're
0: literally like pushed next to each other and their hands are basically like connected like they're holding hands. I want you to know that this, they don't do this for NPCs. No, no, yeah. So it's like, come on, they they are like, they are hard. Like they're very canonical lesbians. love them so much. I mean, you know how much, I know how much you and I both love them because every Mm -hmm. morning we usually like... Literally every morning. (laughs) Literally every morning, some of the first things that we do is we send each other Imiko fan art that we see.
1: Uh I I think the funny thing about that is it's not even like a thing we decided to do. It's just both of us have like, pruned our Twitter feeds in such a way mm-hmm. that one of the first things we could see every morning is I'm Miko fan art.
0: Yeah, and it's, like, as it should be. Like, you sent me this great one this morning where they're, like, where Miko is sitting on i's lap. And it's great. And they're going to kiss and alone. It's great.
1: Mm-hmm. I love them. They're the best. Yeah. Yeah. S- it's- <laughs> yeah, so. So...
0: Good, good, That's... good time to be a, a lesbian who likes <laughs> video games, I guess.
1: A lesbian who likes lesbians who are fake people in video games.
0: <laughs> I think it's um, really so who funny. Who else is gay? Uh,
1: who um, else is gay? Anybody
0: else gay? Not that I know of.
1: I think those are the only gay people. That's too bad. They should yeah. make more of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who do you think is the the most gay couple in Star Rail? I mean, Okay. There's
0: like three options.
1: I think I know who you want to be gay the most. I,
0: okay. So there's the ones who are like legitimately the gayest.
1: Right, right. There's right, the right.
0: ones who I believe are extremely gay
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yet again tells you more about what I like to see in a relationship. Yes. And then there's the other pairing who are just perfect and should be mm-hmm. gay together. So let's go through the list. Obviously, yeah. the like the ones who are canonically so gay is Bronya and Sile. Yes. Which... Extremely. I don't know if you know this, they are canonically, like, gay. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I think we talked about this a bit with, with when Jess was on also. Like, Honkai Impact 3rd, which is a game before Star Rail, has a lot of the same characters. And Bronya and Sile are in that as well. And they are, like, canonically a couple.
1: Oh, from the other game. Yeah. I see.
0: And in this, they're... I mean, come on. They're basically I mean, yeah, the same. Yeah, it's, like,
1: it's the kind of thing where it's, like, people who, do, who want to pretend that, like there are no gay characters in games. Like, well, they never said it in the game, so it mm-hmm. can't be true. When it's like, there's characters like Bronia and Sele who like in Star Rail, they are never like, we are homosexual lovers. Mm-hmm. But like, there is no, like, there is no other reasonable reading of their relationship. Like, like I think for a lot of times, uh, you know, we will be like, oh, we're like, we like their relationship. And so they're, we're going to like headcanon them as gay. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I like, I don't think that's what is happening with Bronia and Cele. It's just like, what is being portrayed as a, as a gay relationship and whether or not they say like explicitly that that's what it is. It's like, I don't know. I think I think that's a weird standard to hold things to because it's not like we don't expect like straight characters to be like, yes, we are heterosexuals. Like, I think no, they we, should. They should have to announce I it. I think they, they should, should have to for they reasons. They should warn me. Um, I need a trigger yeah, warning if they're straight just, people. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a like weird double standard where mm. it's like people will just assume that Straight characters are in a relationship, but if they're gay and they don't like have it in writing, it's, they just mm-hmm. assume it's not. So, like, Brittany and Sally are canonically gay in mm-hmm. any way that possibly matters. I think the same with, uh, what's her name? Serval and Cocalia. Oh, like, Cocalia.
0: Oh my God. Theirs is so great. It's they depressing, really intense, but I love yes, it. I really love the angst of that relationship. There's another
1: like uh, both sides of the spectrum type of relationship. We have Brunny and Ceeley who are just like sweet and love each other. And Serval and Kokalia who are just like so toxic. (laughs) I love
0: them. They're so great. I absolutely adore them. Then you have March 7th and and Stealth. Yes. Which is my favorite. Perfect. They are so cute. They are girlfriends. I love them so much. so unbelievably gay. I I mean, yeah. I mean, she literally has like the trans colors first uh, of all. I think she's adorable. I think they're very cute. cute. I love them. There's a lot of great art of them.
1: Yeah, I like, yeah, because March is just this very, like, cutesy Mm -hmm. girl. And Stella is, like, just a half feet tall and carries a baseball bat around.
0: Also, just a disaster.
1: Stella's, like, such an idiot, and it's funny. Yes, yes. I do love what a fucking dumpster fire she is. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, for
0: me, I love Kafka and Himiko. Mm -hmm. There it is. Come on. Yeah. They have such
1: sexual tension. They oh, they, I mean, they, they absolutely do. Like it's 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 like I would say not even quite like an enemies to lovers thing. It's like a they are like rivals. In they are way. enemies clear, who fuck. Like, yes, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> enemies and lovers.
0: Yeah, they're so great. I love them. There's some spicy art of them.
1: You don't say. Yeah, I
0: I don't know if you. <laughs> I doubt you've ever seen it specifically from me sending know why it to you. such a thing? Yeah, I like them a lot. I just, I mean, we talked about this before, but Kafka's uh, there was. I saw this great bit where, so like Kafka's whole thing is that her literal in-game mechanic is that she dominates people. Mm-hmm. I saw someone who was playing, and they were like, "Kafka keeps only do- dominating Kimiko on my team." <laughs> That's so <laughs> I was so like, funny. "Oh, there you go. There, there it is. Canonical." Yeah. Oh what my else god. Do you need? Mm-hmm. What other gay video games do you like? We were talking about video this a little bit, gay. but I mean, all video games are gay, uh, but. <laughs> like we we have such a problem with so many queer games because they're like kind of shit oh, yeah I will call it out but because like my favorite thing is um there's always like lists of like here are the best queer games to play for pride you gays um and hey gay are you gay do you like gay games play these games gay but <laughs> and then they like play the last of us part too and, and, then, and so I'm yeah, like oh my god you wanted you wanted trauma right <laughs> Yeah, you want a trauma? You want to see a bunch of people get fucking murdered and a bunch of traumatic shit happen to queer people?
1: Yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah, the lists are always like Last of Us Part 2, which is just like transphobia the game. Mm-hmm. And then Tell Me Why, Tell Me why. is also... What else is on there? I mean, I mean, Life is Strange is always on there, which is mm-hmm. again, like we were just having a conversation before mm-hmm. recording. It's like good game, but also, man, I sure wish there were more entries on this list. <laughs> like, I feel like, like they always put Bioware
0: games on there because you can be sl- slightly yeah, gay
1: because you can, yeah, because you can make your
0: character mm-hmm. gay. It's just like I think I told you about this. Every time I play Mass Effect, I have to mod it. I only play it on PC because I have to mod it because if you play as female Shepard. You have some options for female romance. Uh, in the first one, you only have um, Liara. But I refuse to do this and I have to mod it because I will only pursue the the only good relationship, which is you have to pursue Tali. Yeah. She's perfect. Yeah. And she is my wife.
1: I, I agree. Yeah. You're correct. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's the other thing. It's like those are, those are the games that get on this list because there is like, eh, there's an option there if you want to and if you make those those choices you know it's um like i was thinking about this earlier and it was Mm -hmm. kind of bumming me out (laughs) how like yeah it's because like we will always we
0: know there are good games but it's because we are like we actually play indie games and like games on itch
1: is that all of the games that have like good queer characters in them Mm -hmm. tend to be games that are like specifically made by queer people and Mm it's about being a queer person Mm -hmm. like games are so bad particularly mainstream games about just just having queer characters like it's it still feels so like behind the times in that like if queer characters show up it's just like what's the personality gay like that's all, that's all it's we also, get it's you also know? it's also
0: what's the personality trauma yeah which is why t- both Tell Me Why and Last of Us Part Two the only thing they know how to do with their queer characters is like tell the story about
1: trauma yeah and it's something that we talked about this like very early in mm-hmm. in this the existence of this show with like Apex when it added Catalyst and, like, did such a good, like, we we were both, like, very impressed with how they did that because it was, like, Catalyst is the first trans woman in that game. From the very beginning, it was just, like, she is a trans woman and she also is a human being. Mm -hmm. Like, she has a personality that is not just her being trans. I don't know why it's so hard (laughs) for people to get that right. Like, it is so easy. Just, like, you can just have queer characters. They can just be queer. It doesn't have to be, like, their only personality. And I get, you know, we're annoying and we just talk about being trans all the time. But it's part of that, it's partially (laughs) shtick. Like, it's partially because it's funny. We do have other things going on, you know? I
0: think it's still so funny to me that it's, like, it's so interesting that you can point to, like, Apex Legends as, like, one of the best queer representations in games. I know it's, like, it's just because it's a first-person shooter, but it's
1: so bizarre. That's why I'm happy Overwatch is doing more of it. Yeah, Overwatch Mm -hmm. has been bad about that because it has been like the fan base is so pushing for it and mm-hmm. like it is often seen as a game that is like has good queer representation mm-hmm. but that's only because fans have like pushed so hard to basically make their head canon mm-hmm. like just accepted by the whole community you know i was having a conversation
0: with somebody about this when um they announced that pharaoh was a lesbian mm-hmm. and i was like Oh, man, I'm so excited about this because like as someone who is like loves the game and like loves, you know, seeing queer representation, this is like very important. Like this is important for the community that Ferris specifically was like identified as lesbian. And they were like, yeah, that's all nice and all. But I thought Genji and Mercy were like a big thing because like i talked about how they have like they kind of imply the whole like relationship between Farrah and mercy mm-hmm. and they were like i thought genji and mercy were a huge thing and i was like i, I mean no actually like the- it was implied a bit at the beginning but like uh-huh. the- especially the fandom like is heavily mercy and Farrah. like they're the bi- one of the biggest oh, yeah. ships in the game and i'm just like oh oh straight people sometimes
1: I mean, it's, it's weird because, right, because that was the like like the sort of like in canon mm-hmm. thing was that Genji and Mercy were together, even though that makes absolutely no sense from basically that's a, any that's perspective. That's a gay man dating a gay woman, first <laughs> off. <laughs> yes.
0: I mean, the game I always think about to recommend is just play If Found. Right. Or Tell Me Why, because it's free. Free for pride. Play oh, Tell is, Me Why.
1: Free for pride. That's right. I don't know, because like I said, we were thinking about it and trying to come up with, I was trying to come up with the ones that were like, like obviously found and and heaven will be mine and, Mm -hmm. you know, and and all that stuff is like, Mm -hmm. these are all great games, but it it does fall into that category of like, queer games made by queer people for queer people. So I was trying to think more about like, games that are a little more mainstream and are just like, good at having queer characters in them. Mm -hmm. And there are just like, there's just so few. Could you think. think of any? The one I'm trying that came to think off the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, the one that came to mind for me first was um, actually Ikenfell, or Ikenfell, I don't know mm. how you pronounce it. Which, I don't know if you've played that game. I never Or know did. about it. I think but you've told is, me about it. I think I've told you about it. It is a, like, turn-paced uh, RPG. It is, like, set in, like, a magic school kind of deal. Um, but it just, like, I think the thing that makes this feel, like, a, a different sort of category thing for me is like there is just a story of like these these like wizard kids at magic school and like we got to figure out why all the bad shit is happening but it's just like almost every character in the game is queer Mm -hmm. and i think it's like it is one of those it's not one of those examples where it's like the the game is about like a queer story like the it is like that is not the focus of the game it's just like telling this interesting story and then there's just, just a ton of queer characters who like get interesting stories and have personalities again and like who are like openly queer and it's never like a point of contention it's never the thing that straight developers will do where they where they feel like they have to make that a a plot point of like oh they're coming out to your parents or whatever it's just like no they're just queer people living queer lives and having like this big magic adventure Mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of the template of things that i would love to see more of because it's like i do i do love games like if found and all of these examples but like i don't know like those are games for us you yeah. know to me i just i want to see more of that stuff happening in in mainstream games and just if for nothing else then to make it just then to make straight people shut the fuck up about every time that there is a queer character in a game like just just there should be so many queer characters in games that they can't there just isn't enough time for them to be weird about all of them in the day you know mm-hmm. I don't know. This isn't that's just like killing on it.
0: This isn't a big AAA game, but I would say this is more, more palatable than to like major audiences than like a super weird indie game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I do think Signalis is very good. Yeah, that's true. Because it's like it's not a like overtly just a game about a queer story, but right. that it's is a, game a very about a relationship. Yes. And it's like a horror game. It's you know, mm-hmm. it's like it appeals to the horror game audience, but then it's also like, yeah, but also like this is inherently a queer story.
1: Yeah. Uh, you should also play Life After Magic. I mean, yeah, but that's
0: what we were talking about. These are the well, these are the little weird games that we love.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: I think anytime we start recommending visual novels, you get off the mainstream because people yeah. don't see visual novels as real games. I mean, there's also yeah. the element of this. or no. You, what do you want to say before I go no, on to No, no. I was kind of going to repeat
1: myself. Like, it's it's just the fact that we are having to think so hard about this, mm-hmm. I think, just really says so much about about how bad AAA is about <gasps> having queer characters and, and, and queer stories that are not just the, the story of queer trauma.
0: Like, one of the things I was thinking about with this is, and I actually wrote something kind of related to this on my blog. I wrote it in grad school last year and then I just like had it in my drafts and I never published it anywhere and I decided to publish it on my Substack recently. But I wrote a story called Why Are So Many Queer Characters Straight? Talking about the like phenomena of like the queer community will latch on to straight, like canonically straight characters. And because you can read into the metaphor of their stories of being like queer allegories. And so often we actually will attach to those characters more than like canonically queer characters because there's there's something about like doing a story unintentionally queer can make it feel more real than like when straight
1: people make queer stories yeah.
0: and they're well it's because not good when
1: straight people are writing straight characters they make them characters mm-hmm. and when straight people are writing queer characters they make them they make them caricatures yeah. not a character but a caricature
0: But and it's like it makes me think about the the phenomenon in gaming specifically of like there's jokes all the time about like which games are gay and like (laughs) and you you wouldn't think they are like which games are trans. And it's like I think about, you know, Fallout. Everybody's like Fallout is a game for the gays. New Vegas is and New Vegas games will make you trans. trans. For
1: reasons no one can explain.
0: Yeah, but it just is. And it's It's like I think about that.
1: It just doesn't make sense.
0: And and another element is that the Souls games. Yeah. Are very, you know, for the trans and, you know, queer community. And it makes me think about, um. I feel like I feel like for sure you've read this piece, but you know the piece, yes, Dark Sun Gwendolyn is a trans woman. No, you can't have her. I don't know if I do know this one. Oh my God. Are you serious? You're going to have to
1: read this, but. Yeah. For me, it just feels very, like, it's difficult to read a game that is about literally fighting to claim your body Mm -hmm. as anything other than a trans text. I know. Like, like yeah, I mean, even aside from any other uh, any other consideration or like any canonical explanation or, you know, people like Gwendolyn, who are very, very clearly trans, like that very that concept Is just like, I I don't know how to read it another way. I mean, you
0: should read this piece, but everybody should read this piece. But it's the idea of like, it is about how we claim characters for their transness. And especially how the reverse of the idea of characters being unintentionally queer. There's the idea of not calling a character queer, but kind of queer coding them in specific ways. And then how if the queer community then claims them, other people will be like, I don't know what you're talking about. This character isn't gay. This character isn't queer. Like the, we're, we're, that. There's no way they don't say that. And then we can be like, no, but look at the way they use like queer coding and like stereotypical like characteristics. And then they're like, I, but they're not saying that that's what it is. And it's like, okay, that's yeah. yeah. It's a very interesting like aspect of the idea of like how we have representation or lack of in games.
1: Yeah, it feels like a I don't know. There are kind of two sides to that. And one of them is that idea, like we were saying earlier, like you don't need to explicitly say the characters are queer for them to be queer in the case of, you know, like we were saying with, with Bronya and Sile. But then there are games, like, I remember getting very frustrated with this in the latest Fire Emblem game mm-hmm. where there were characters, like there is a couple that like is a gay couple. And then there is, uh, what's the name? Fucking Rose, Rosa, Rose something, who is just like, this dude with like long flowing hair that's like blue Pastel and pink, pink and, he wears and blue, dresses. and there's these things where it's like it's they're using like imagery that is very recognizable as queer, mm-hmm. but by not calling it out, it it makes it feel. I, I mean, I wrote a piece about this as well, but for Inverse, which is just, just like it, it feels very frustrating to have these characters where like everything about them is is using the. Sort of the language and the aesthetics that we associate with with queerness, but staying so far away from that issue, as to like basically erase it from the game, and that can be frustrating as well. Where it's there's there's a way you can do it where it's like we're portraying queer characters and we don't need to say it because it's it's very clear that that's what's happening. And there's another way to do it, which I think is the way that Fire Emblem does it, which is like we're going to give you all of these kind of signs and symbols that you associate with queerness, but then back off to the point where it's like there's just it just becomes this kind of muddy mess mm-hmm. where they they don't want them to be read as queer whereas i think the other opposite the other example with star rail is like it feels like they want them to those characters to be read as queer i don't know it's like wanting to have the credit for for putting that in there but not going far enough as to like freak out people who don't want to have gay people in their games mm-hmm. and i think i don't know it's a, it's a fine line and i think it's one that like clearly i'm struggling to even explain but it kind of is just like It's just like in the text. It's the way that these characters are written. It's like, do they feel like fully developed characters? Or do they feel like people who were just sort of like attaching all of these different signifiers on and then never, I don't know, having the courage to explore them as people? I mean, like, I mean, you talked about this with Fire Emblem,
0: but like for me, something that I always think about, and this is like known and written about extensively, but it's like as a fan of the Persona series, the Persona mm-hmm. series is a really like bad example of this where they have a lot of like, they they tiptoe around queerness and they like queer code characters and they also do a lot of problematic queer coding um, mm-hmm. too, and They just never engage with any of it, even though it's like, it's one of those things where, kind of like what you were talking about, Dark Souls, where it's like the story is inherently has like an aspect of queerness to it. The Persona series is so fucking like inherently queer. And yet there's like no fucking queer characters there. And it's absurd. And like, uh, you know how passionate I am about that, because it's like, I mean, there's the whole thing in Persona 3 where you actually get to play as a female character. And there's that one relationship that is absolutely fucking gay, but it, it, they won't say it and they, nobody ever says it. And it's like, ugh
1: I don't like it. It's yeah. Sad. do you have Do you have any like insight on that idea? Like, clearly I was fumbling to articulate, but like, what is the difference for you when you have between like. Having queer presentation that is like so clear it doesn't need to be stated mm-hmm. and having what look what should be a queer character, but refusing to acknowledge it, like is there something you can point out that like makes that what's the difference between good versions of that and bad versions of that because it's something that I really am stroking to articulate yeah. like it's it really is like it just feels like just the vibes of the of the piece, you know yeah, I,
0: I think it's it's weird. it is kind of a vibes thing where it's like you know it if you see it. Yeah. It's like you can feel if there's goodwill behind it. Mhm. I I am at a loss. It's like it's hard to pinpoint.
1: So, okay. I I'm floundering to like try to explain this concept. So, I pulled up the piece that I wrote for Inverse. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it and see if it makes us think of anything. So, this is at the end of the piece. I've just spent a whole lot of time pointing out particularly like this one, like very clear lesbian relationship and then Rosato, who is the extremely transcoded dude who is his his gender has like never really explored. And so I, I'm writing about the the idea that like this could be an interesting way of, of these could be interesting examples of queer representation in this game. Instead fire emblem engage that's the name. I forgot the name of this game too. Instead <laughs> fire emblem Gauge avoids the possibility of either getting trans representation right or fumbling it completely by taking an ever popular third option, pretending it's not there. Just because a character doesn't conform to gender norms doesn't mean they're trans. Rosado could be a cis man who happens to like wearing dresses and having enviably luxurious hair. That's fine. The characters don't get designed by accident. Decisions were made to present Rosado in a way that would inevitably be read as trans and never to acknowledge that fact. If we had a wide array of gender identities and sexualities presented games, none of this would be a problem. If queer characters weren't routinely made into punching bags, these halfway there depictions of queerness would be a totally acceptable part of a larger picture. But that's not where we are. And I think that kind of starts to get at what makes it so frustrating, is just that that pulling away, that almost getting to the point, putting things in into games that, like, feel like they should be read as queer or read as trans, and then just, like, just not having the courage to see mm-hmm. it through and just never addressing it, right? Because it would be one thing if they ended up having uh, Chloe and Marin, who are this clearly lesbian couple, it would be one thing if they were like, oh, actually they're straight and they're just good friends and whatever and da-da-da. That would be, like, disappointing but at least it would be they would at least be making the choice. This feels like not making a choice so as to avoid having to answer for it, and I think that's extremely frustrating, and I think the the larger point at the, at the end there is where it's really irritating, where Games right now are so, so bad at this that, like, any of these individual examples aren't necessarily egregious. Like, I don't need Fire Emblem Engage in particular to have this this particular relationship. But it's the fact that it is part of a pattern for the entire industry that just makes it so disheartening to see, like, all you had to do was take the one step of, of like, just being explicit about it, like, for one second, and you would have been better than 99% percent of games that are out Mm -hmm. there but it's just like it is a it is an environment where that is just happens almost never (laughs) which makes every time that it doesn't happen just feel like piling on and piling on and piling on it's part of this larger trend that makes it feel so I don't know, so disappointing, you know?
0: You know, I actually think this kind of, like, ties back to why I think, you know, me and so many other people in the Overwatch community are, like, really, really excited about Farrah mm-hmm. specifically being, like, now identified openly as a lesbian. And, like, if you read the short story, literally, it's, it's, it's so, like hard in the stone which she literally is like i am a lesbian it's like there's no like you know tiptoeing around it and Mm -hmm. i think it's something where it's like it's incredibly cathartic as the audience because overwatch in a way they didn't have to do this because like the the community is already there to bel to like to, to kind of like have her and we've like accepted her as our own in the way that you can read into these things that you know you do with like with Fire Emblem engage but the fact that the developer is willing to go out on a limb and be like like without question this is queer representation we want it we have it this is part of our story this is part of our design And we are going to confront that. And that also comes with confronting the like shitty aspects of the community in the world who will hate that, which there are so Mm -hmm. much. And like, I I don't know if you've seen any of it, but it's like Farragh being, you know, called a lesbian has like gotten so much shit, but it's like, it's, it's, From, for the developers, it's like them kind of like taking a stand of being like, we do want this in our game. We want this. We want to support that and we want to like bring that into, you know, gaming more. And so when they don't and they take these half measures like in Fire Mm -hmm. Emblem Engage or anything like that, it feels like, it's it's you know trying to have your cake and eat it too where you can like you can basically like take credit for the queer community who does like it and you can disavow it for the people who don't and you it's it's kind of a disney situation where disney does this a lot where they're like look every like every disney movie is like we have the first gay character in disney history now and it's like you know it's it's one character in the background. It's like, this was in Star Wars where they're like, we're going to have f- the first gay couple in Star Wars. And then it was like two girls kissing in the background of one scene. And then the way Disney always does it is that it's it's like seeking to get this approval from the queer community with this tiny effort. And then when you have it outside of the US, they literally just cut these scenes because mm-hmm. they're completely inconsequential. And it's like, you want we want representation that isn't inconsequential and able to just be shoved off. So it's like even being able to kind of like be like, eh, we don't really think that, you know, these this character is trans or queer in any way, but if you want to, that's good for you. Yeah, It's kind of like,
1: yeah. It feels like providing cover for homophobes and yes. transphobes, right? It's like, it's it's saying like, don't worry, we're mm-hmm. not gonna we're not gonna put gay stuff in your game, <laughs> uh, and then it also like that has kind of the knock on effect of like then when queer people read those characters as queer, those shitty people then go, oh, these fucking queer people like they always they say everything's gay. They just want you know, the the game never says that these characters are gay. Mm-hmm. It's just these people are just saying everything is. I think it's a really good point. Is wanting to when when developers or like you know any kind of artist says just goes out and says like. There are there are queer people in this game. I think you can read that, like by extension, you can read that as we want queer people in our community as well. And when you refuse to acknowledge the queerness of characters in a work, that also feels like refusing to acknowledge the queer people who are like in your audience. Um, I think something else you said really hit me too, which is when you you described like the Farah thing as like feeling a feeling of catharsis. And I think on some some level, it also just feels like when you have these situations of, like, characters that, like, read as queer and then they are, like, confirmed, like, in in canon to be queer, it is, like, having the acknowledgement that, that what you're seeing is real.
0: Mm-hmm. That you're,
1: like, you're not just you're not just grasping at straws. That, like, you can... We we see this, Heinz. Like, when you write a character who is queer-coded, like, whether you say it or not, like, we're going to recognize that. And when you then say that that character is not actually queer, it feels like... I mean, I guess the overused, like, misused term that people would say was like that's like gas lady mm-hmm. it's like presenting a reality and then telling us that that is not actually the reality when it's like we know we know what you're doing you know just because you don't say it doesn't mean it's not true
0: i've seen this a lot with the farrah thing where it's like um there's a twitter account i follow and they are like they've always loved farrah and always like con- like had canoned her as a lesbian and they were like so happy when this was announced and they keep talking about it where they're like, the way that they do it, where they're so outright about it with having her vocally say, I am a lesbian. It's like, we're not going to wake up tomorrow and this go away. Mm-hmm. There's not like going back from this. And that's important. Yeah. And it's like, I was thinking about this and and it's like, I was thinking about somebody or a company who's like, I think really bad about this is Nintendo. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a couple examples about this, but like the two that I think about is obviously Samus. And then um, God, uh, you might know this. There was that Splatoon three character that everybody was like, this Splatoon three character is like, Oh, it was like trans or ace or something. Um, You know what I talk about. I'm talking about, or it was that they thought they were non-binary. People are like, this character is non-binary.
1: Oh, you know, I was thinking of the, um, that's, the Pokemon character who was just like in like decked out in like pink and blue. Oh yeah. I mean
0: the like, tw- the like streamer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, you know, but like, so I, I, anyway, I, I want to yeah. talk about this because Nintendo yes, does the, the like, it's so funny because we talk about how like, it's so it's difficult when companies like don't, lean into it, but it's like Nintendo actively goes against it where it's like, so Shiver is this character from Splatoon 3 Mm. who, when Shiver was like revealed, everybody was like, oh my God, I think Shiver is like a non-binary and that's awesome. And this became such a big fan theory and Nintendo literally went out of their way to tell like The Verge, they were like, listen, we want to confirm that that is not true Shiver is uses she/her pronouns. We want to we want to nip that in the bud. And then again, yeah. this happened with Iono you know, in Scarlet and Violet, where because of her character design, people were like, "I think Iono you know, is non-binary," or "I think I, you know is trans." And literally, again, Nintendo went out of their way to be like, "No, we want to." confirm to you that that is not true and it's Mm -hmm. like it's this is a running thing with samus and it's like with the trans community because listen i want to be very clear about this situation because this is a very hot topic the idea of like trans samus obviously samus is not trans and the thing that like started this rumor is just like a transphobic joke And I we know that I know that as a trans person, but it's not about that. It's about how we then can like take her as our own. But it was like the whole thing where somebody made a a developer made a transphobic joke about Samus. Mm -hmm. And then ever since then, the trans community has latched onto her and been like, she is she is a trans character. And like, just look at her story. There's so much that we can like read into that. And over time, Nintendo has actively like changed Samus's physical design in order to make it less trans like i talk about this in that piece that i mentioned when when samus originally was designed her canonical height was six three as of today her height is five foot two this is a canonical thing they changed because they didn't want her to be able to be read as trans
1: and yeah i mean the design has been like more and more like put into like a stereotypical feminine just proportions, like, it's not just the height. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, look at her, you know, original design compared to how she is in, in more recent things. It's, yeah, it's it's incredible the degree to which people, go, they go out of their way to be like, no, 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 it's nothing going on here. But it's, yeah, I don't know. I think that is an interesting point, though, where it's like it did, that it started as like a joke. And it's like, yes, obviously we know that, but that that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what matters is how the character feels and how we can recognize ourselves in that character and like that's samus is trans because people think that samus is trans like not because a developer said so you know Mm -hmm. not because it's in some design manual Mm -hmm. it is it's the same thing with dark souls it's like no i don't literally think that they were trying to like make a trans narrative out of dark souls but i think you you Experience that story as a trans person, and mm-hmm. it is your story. It's the same thing with with Samus. No one needs to tell you what it is to feel trans. You just you just see it, and you know what it means. You know, and I
0: think it's I think at the end of the day, kind of like I, I feel like this is like a kind of like a good like kind of summary thought or like thesis at the end of this is like the reason it's so important to have characters like Farrah and like Catalyst and these characters that are canonically said to be like queer or trans is that. As queer and trans people, we can recognize ourselves in stories Mm -hmm. that aren't explicitly that. But that's only once you've gone through the fucking difficult process of realizing it within yourself with (laughs) no point of contact. Like, But if you don't know that you're trans or queer yet, and you're looking into media... And there's no representation for you. Mm-hmm. This is why so many people take so long to come out. And that's why it's so important to actually have representation instead of nebulous claims. And I think that's what it comes down to at the end. That's like why it's important to have a real representation.
1: Damn.
0: Can you believe we started this episode as a fucking joke? I know. This episode started wildly different. And now, yeah, no. I mean, and now was, here yeah. I am.
1: being so smart you're so smart you're so good i'm fucking great at this yeah it's no you're totally right like it's so easy to forget that from you know the other side of this Mm -hmm. like how difficult it can be to and how meaningful it can be to recognize yourself in in a character when you maybe don't know what it is you're recognizing but you 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 can see something in there that it's like oh this is actually similar to me like this is not just this feeling that I'm having is not just because I'm broken, it's because I am trying to be something that I'm not, and having representation of a character who is trans and who is heroic, you know, in the in a lot of these cases, or at the very least is like is not, it, it doesn't need to be fixed, you know, it's not a problem with them, it's just who they are, I think that's, that's so fucking important, and it's yeah, I mean, that's just such a good point, like it's, like I said, it's like it's very easy to to forget, like once you've once you've been through that process, like that that at one time, like how how important it would have been to you, how much mm-hmm. it could have meant to you. And uh I mean, in my case, I think about all the time like how my life would have been different if I had realized this before I was in my mid thirties. And it's not like, you know, a trans video game character would not would not have like done that. But if we have a culture where these stories are not told or where there's only one form of trans experience that's ever presented, then you start to think that if you don't resonate exactly perfectly right now with the one story that you've ever been told about trans people then you must not be trans Mm -hmm. whereas if you yeah if you do have more representation you have more opportunities to see that like there are many ways to be a trans person or to be any you know a queer person in general yeah i don't know that is that is really important it's it's fun to just kind of like talk about this and like make jokes and like you know sort of laugh about who which of these characters are like you know secretly trans or whatever but It's very easy to forget that it actually is really important Mm -hmm. to people, especially people who don't know that they're queer yet. Like I, and this is like a legitimate
0: thing. I remember, and it's, it's one of those things where like retroactively, I like see these connections and it just, none of it clicked because I didn't have Mm -hmm. the language or the understanding. But like, I legitimately do think about Legend of Korra a lot and it's funny to talk about, but I was so invested in Korra and Asami becoming in a relationship and There was something about it that I didn't get because it's like, I really was invested in this relationship and I loved seeing them get this romantic relationship and these two women. And I was like, I really like them and I support them. And I, but, but there's something, why am I so invested? I don't get this because it's like, well, they're just two women and I'm me. And it's like, because I didn't really get the trans stuff. And it's like, kind of, maybe if I did just have more of that in the world, I would have fucking gotten it. Yeah. And that is important to have.
1: Yeah, we we talked about this a little bit on our I think when we talked about the the Harry Potter game of like games that we, we played and kind of like recognized parts of ourselves in it. Mm-hmm. Like I know I mentioned sub serial network was a big part of like me having these feelings that I later recognized as dysphoria, which again, like one of the developers of the game is it has been outed as an abuser. And I don't want to promote that game. But mm-hmm. like, there are stories you can read that that make you recognize part of like something in yourself. And like, that is not explicitly a trans game. It's uh, again, to bring up dark souls again, like I, I was joking about it earlier, but like, really like this, this story of like transformation and like trying to having to struggle to find your own identity is like baked into those games. And I think there is a reason why it resonated with me and with a lot of trans people. Like it's one of those things, like it is, it is sort of, it's fun to joke about, but it also is, is, Like, real. Like, there's Mm -hmm. a reason why those jokes exist. Um, And it's because it's, I don't know, it's kind of a silly thing to, like, play this, like, action game about fighting zombies and be like, oh, wait, I'm trans. (laughs) Like, that is funny. Yeah. But it's also real, you know? Those are the things that we grasp for is these, like, these coded things where it's like if we had more explicit permission to think these things about ourselves and more explicit models for how to to look at ourselves i think we would have a much easier time many of us like come to terms with who we are yep yeah. how did we end up here i don't fucking know this wasn't on the doc so. this was not on the doc <laughs> <laughs> oh man
0: Wrapping up, I guess, on this topic, I also just wanted to shout out um, the Queer Games Bundle 2023 is up. Kind of just
1: like as... Speaking of a lot of games that <laughs> <laughs> explicitly acknowledge queerness.
0: Yeah, it's just great. It's, you know, the price of not much and you get all these really amazing games. Go so check it out, support the creators, play some great queer games, and yeah.
1: Yeah, as with the the Trans Witches or Witches Bundle, it's, it's $60, but there's also a... Pay what you can sliding scale version, which like of course we encourage everyone to pay the pay the sixty dollars for it because all of the money in this case is uh not going to charity, but it's being split between the developers and every participant in this bundle is a query game developer uh, who could definitely use the money. So we definitely encourage you to do that if you can. But if you if you can't, there is there is a version of it that still lets you get all these games and get some support to the developers. So yeah, I just yeah, I mean, just to to go through like a very quickly there's so there's 450 games in it there's some stuff we've talked about it before um there's do i pass by taylor McHugh. uh life after magic is in this which we obviously like is i think still for both of us is one of our favorite games of the year so far um glitter hearts the tabletop game about magical girls is in here one that i played with my group and had a, a ton of fun this party sucks which was also in uh the TTRPGs for trans in florida uh, another great tabletop game uh, yeah, there's just tons of good stuff in here. Like, highly recommend that you that you check it out and pick it up if you're able to.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, yeah. with that, Robin, what have you been up to this week? I have been uh, again. It's like it's been a very a week of me sitting on my computer and looking for jobs. So I apologize for being boring again. So all I've really been playing is Humanity, which is a recent uh, addition to PS Plus. It is a puzzle game. Uh, from uh, Enhance, who also did the Tetris Effect and Rez, which are games I, I really, really love. It is very hard to describe, but in the in the broadest possible terms, you play as like a glowing Shiba Inu, whom it has to guide a bunch of humans to uh, basically to the end of a puzzle in every level. And you do that by like at the start placing like little directional indicators on the ground so that they will then follow in a path. And then things get, get much more complicated from there. Like It starts with just directing them. And then eventually you can tell them to like jump or to uh all these different things. You make them follow you, all these different, different kind of mechanics. Eventually it starts. it becomes about like a war between these two different factions. And you start getting the ability to like give them weapons and they start fighting each other. And at that point I lost basically all interest <laughs> in the game. I kept playing and I finished it this morning. There are parts of it where it does kind of recover the original magic, but for me, it 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 is never as good as it is in the first few hours. Um, but it's on PS Plus, and so if you have that, I'd recommend giving it a shot because it is interesting. It is weird. It's from a studio that I that I whose work I generally do enjoy. There is it sort of gestures at an interesting story about humanity and and the way to uh, kind of like reach a new a new sort of milestone in like the evolution of our consciousness that it doesn't really do anything with but it's interesting to see it in there it has kind of a quirky sense of humor which i love and it's also just like a really really gorgeous looking game in like a a sort of uncanny way where there are all of these like you know massive piles of humans who are just walking in these in these strange lines and one of my favorite parts about the game is like so throughout each level you end up constructing these twisting it on themselves kind of like snaking formations of humans that you need to do to like get through the puzzle and, and avoid like all the different things you need to in this level and so the, the, at the end your end point is this like platform that basically like ascends the humans so at the end of each level it will just kind of like when you hit the end the camera just sort of like spins around the scene you've created and you can just watch this endless line of people just walking through all these intricate patterns and then get to the end point and just you know ascend into the sky and it's really beautiful in a kind of like unconcerting and and absurd looking way uh, and I think like the spectacle of that is very interesting also fantastic soundtrack very synthy and like vocal driven very like discordant sounds and and it, it's very it's a very strange soundtrack kind of stuff you like very rarely hear in games where it is like it is very often kind of harsh. Uh, and often very meditative. It's it's really interesting. So there's just, there's lots of aesthetic stuff going on there that I really love. It just didn't particularly come together for me, but I would say it's worth a shot if that sounds like it might be up your alley. I, I didn't like it as much as I wanted to, but I think it's still a thing that is worth, you know, seeing for yourself. Yeah. But what have you been up to this week?
0: Uh, yeah. So I have been playing some Street Fighter Six, and I, it's, one of the big things about Street Fighter 6 is that it has this new like story mode funnily enough I actually just haven't started it (laughs) because (laughs) it has a really like extensive uh, character creator like very fine tuned like you can do a bunch of stuff and every time I open it I get too stressed and I don't want to spend the like you know 40 minutes doing that so instead I've just been playing a bunch of arcade mode which has been great but like so I've just been like playing around with different characters Um, I've played some Manon and and Cammy and Chun-Li and Juri. I only play the women. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sensing a I know. Here. <laughs> I've played all I'm these never, I'm girls. never I'm never going to play as for you, whatever. Um but yeah. but uh it's like I I feel like we might have talked about this before. I don't remember, but I have a weird relationship with fighting games where I am not good at them in like technically they're a very technical Mm -hmm. genre and i'm just not very good at it i never commit to like learning it enough but i'm still obsessed with them i love fighting games because i think they're so they're designed so well like the character design is awesome and just the mechanics are delightful to actually play so i kind of just find myself like kind of always buying new fighting games and like trying them out for like a week or two and then i will drop off eventually but they're very fun street fighter 6 is really really fucking good it feels delightful to play. It it just feels very quick. It's it's a lot lighter than something like like Guilty Gear Strive. One of the things I was struck by that game is it movement just generally feels a little heavier. And Street Fighter 6 kind of has like a light more snappy feeling, and I really like that in a fighting game. It's been really fun. Also, it does this great thing where you have different types of controls that you can choose from, where you have, like, traditional... Uh, I think it's called classic. You have classic controls, which is, like, you have to do, you know, directional inputs and button combos to do moves. Like, you know, you have to do the special input to do, like, a Hadoken if you can, or something. Then they have the modern type, is what it's called, or something. And um, that is, like, simplified, where it's just... If you do a direction and a button press that will do a special move. Or if you like hit a certain button press, that will do, you know, it it simplifies everything to make it a little more easier for beginners or people who aren't like as good at fighting games. And that's been an exceptional way to play it, especially since I'm not like really playing too competitive right now. I'm just like kind of fucking around with the arcade and stuff. So it just makes it really delightful to play in a way that I don't think any other fighting game has really managed before for me and i really recommend it for like anybody who's ever been interested in a fighting game but feels like there's too high of a barrier for entry it's really really great and like what i hear about the the story campaign is that not only is it like a really fun story campaign but also it's kind of the beauty of it is that it uses the story to kind of be this like really really extensive kind of tutorial of like, mm-hmm. here's how you play a fighting game and we're going to teach you through this long story. So that's really fun, too. It seems kind of like one of the biggest things they wanted to do was like make this good for beginners, but not like too, you know, toned down that it wouldn't be on the level of competitive play. And I really like that. Um, it's great. Yeah. And I wanted to... I wanted you to kind of like do a pairing. So I'm going to recommend uh, a manga to read with Street Fighter 6, which is there's this great manga
1: called Young Ladies Don't Play Fighting Games. I was going to make this joke. Well, I was going to say like, oh, I know why... You know, it's a genre that never clicks for you. I know. There's this great this game- young ladies don't play fighting <laughs> There's games. a
0: great manga called Young Ladies Don't Play Fighting Games, which is basically about these high school girls who like fighting games, but like the school is all prim and proper. And literally there's like a rule that if you play video games at all, you can get expelled. But they just really love it and they form this little tight-knit group. This is also a Yuri manga, so eventually they will kiss, I hope. But <laughs> we haven't gotten to that point yet. But it's 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 this really great manga, which um it does this exceptional thing where the the manga art itself is so well done in the act of showing the fighting game in the manga that it kind of like it acts itself as a tutorial for the reader cuz it wants to eventually tell a more complex story about like these girls being able to be good at what they're doing but in order to do that it needs to inform the audience on how to understand a fighting game. Mm-hmm. So it does these really smart things where it's like certain characters are beginners so other characters kind of like have to teach them which by extension teaches the audience it's it's really great it's really cool and also it's like it's a really great story about like the realities of you know being a woman in gaming and specifically in competitive gaming and the fighting game scene which all competitive scenes are incredibly problematic have been for a long time but like the fighting game community is this weird duality where it's mm-hmm. been incredibly misogynistic for so long, despite also there being a very vocal contingent of the fighting game community that is queer and female. So, like this story actually does a really good job of like representing that. I really, really like it. And I think it's it's a great pairing with Street Fighter if you're picking up Street Fighter. So that's what yeah, I've been yeah. up to.
1: You're making me want to do two things that I never do to play fighting games and read manga. Like those those would sound really great.
0: Yeah. But uh, I think with that, we will end our episode that started off very silly and then somehow got less silly. And now we are back here.
1: uh... Ended with a weird group hug kind of feeling.
0: Mm -hmm. Like a good therapy session.
1: You know, a conversation between two queer women. Honestly. Starting out trying to have fun and ending up trauma dumping. That's happy pride. <laughs> happy pride. Happy pride. Yeah, we
0: did it. You can listen to Girl Mode anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are on Twitter at Girl Mode underscore Pod and on co-host at Girl mode Dash Pod. I am on both of those places at The Willow Row,
1: and I'm both of those places at Robin Bomba.
0: Rate us, review us on wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, tell your, tell your queer. Uh, Polycule about us. Um, Tell your therapist about us. Tell your therapist about us. Yeah. (laughs) If you're my therapist, tell your other therapists friends about us. Tell tell your other patients about my podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh with that, uh have a have a good pride. Goodbye. Be good to crumbs. It was one that uh, I think we briefly talked about before uh, in some kind of roundup episode we Mm -hmm. did. My voice keeps cracking so bad this week. (laughs) (sighs) Voice training is hard, Willa. Yeah.
0: I saw a TikTok the other day and it was really funny because it was like it was a trans woman talking about like uh, doing voice training. And they were like, you want to hear something? Here's some advice. And she was like, I know this is going to sound like cat girl propaganda but she was like, you want to know how you help get your voice up a higher registry so it's more comfortable to talk? Meow. She was like, do some meowing. <laughs> and then you'll get your voice into a place where you can t- like talk in a higher register. Wow. And I was like... Finally, an excuse. <laughs> I was like, oh no, if I have to.
1: Meow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I will definitely put that to use. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah, it's just, my throat is so worn out. Okay, I'm going to do that again. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to get out of here soon. Uh, I'm just, I don't remember what I was saying, so I'm going to start Take it from the top.